for me. My soul cries out, Hallelujah! Praise God for saving me. Of the goodness of Jesus and all He has done for me, my soul cries out. Praise God for saving me. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and He has done for me, God for saving me when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me my soul cries out hallelujah praise God for saving me oh praise the Lord, let the people of the Lord praise His name. Give to Him the glory, ever tell the story. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Oh, praise, 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 praise the Lord. Let the people of the Lord praise His name. Give to Him the tell the story and praise the Lord oh praise the Lord let the people praise his name give to him the glory and ever tell the story lift up your hands and praise the Lord Praise, praise the Lord. Let the people of the Lord praise His name. Give to Him the glory. Ever tell the story. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Let the people of the Lord your name, Lord. Him the glory, ever tell the story. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord, bless the wonderful name of the Lord. Father, we praise, we give you thanks, we honor your name today. Glory, glory, glory. Accept 
did sacrifice. Yes, Lord, purify my heart, cleanse and wash the very inward part, Lord. Never let a single thing, Lord, hinder me from giving you everything. Oh, yes, Lord, touch our minds today, every child of God. Hallelujah. Spirit humble be an example for the world to see. Let me dedicate my life and accept sacrifice. Lord, purify my heart. me from yielding everything. Let my spirit humble be an example for the world to see.
Let us pray. Dear Father, today, like this song we're singing, we'd like to be sanctuaries, Lord, living sanctuaries that you can dwell in us by your Spirit. Lord, that you can purge us and cleanse us, that we can be that place of habitation by your Spirit, Father, holy vessels of honor that you can use. We commit this service today into your hands, Lord, and we pray that you'll guide us every step of the way. Touch my mind, touch my spirit, that I might only present to your people what you want them to understand and to listen to and to achieve, O oh God, to set us goals in their lives. Bless this service, and we pray you bless tomorrow. And every child of God listening, we pray you'll touch each one of them, in spite of the distance today, Father, if there's one with problems, we pray you'll help them through their difficulties. Every child of God, Father, that has challenges, we pray you'll give them strength. Don't take away their cross, Father, but give them strength to, to endure even unto the end. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name and for his glory. Amen and amen. Well, beautiful song beautiful song that speaks about us being a sanctuary that God can use. And so we appreciate that. We appreciate when we can sing songs that connect us with the Lord. I want Brother Joe to come and say a few words to us today. And while he's getting ready, I want to tell you that God has blessed me to have Brother Joe uh, with me here. And um, uh, ever so often... The Lord sends in someone that could be an assistance to me. And um, here's a, a man that I believe the Lord has sent to be a part of us. And I would like you as much as you pray. And I need your prayer all the time. I pray that you would uh, put Brother Joe uh, up in your prayers. That God would help him to maintain his integrity of the work that he's doing for me. And enhancing this message going out uh, can become a threat uh, to the, to the pl plans of the devil and to the workings of the devil. And uh, he will become a target uh, that the devil would try to, uh, to attack and to undermine his effort. So pray that God would not only give him a natural strength, but a physical strength. And so I thank God for Brother Joy. I want him to say a few words to us today. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Joe. Appreciate Brother Joe saying these precious words. And um, if you don't know, if this is the first time you're following us, um, you should uh, log on to some of our messages that Brother Joe, when I'm finished preaching here, the first thing he'll tell me, please send that message to me, and then he'll take it, and he'll go in his... A little corner of the world, sit down, listen to the message over again. If I say something obnoxious that will misrepresent me as an individual, he'll get my permission and delete that. Um, if there's um, unnecessary things that said in the service, uh, he will delete that. And then he'll put that together and post it online together with a write-up of the message uh, 
a summary of the message. And he does such a good job putting that together. And I appreciate that. And so that's not all he does. Um, if there is snow, uh, he will try to catch the church parking lot before I do. And yesterday, uh, Thursday, we did five hours of shoveling. Uh, five hours. I did five hours because I was trying to catch three different locations. And so Brother Joe just did the church, and I came and I got him here, and we did. And then yesterday, we had another two and a half hours uh, that I did, two and a half hours. And um, when I went uh, later on in the day, I drove by the church, and I saw there was another two inches of snow. So I said, you know what, I'll come here early and catch the snow before Brother Joe gets there. And so I went home, got my equipment, came back, and there it was. He had already done another half of the parking lot. I appreciate God uh, helping this man who is now how old? 70? 76. years old. And he can be out here uh, helping me. No complaint, no quarrel, uh, just happily uh, moving the snow. And it's good to have someone around that can be able to accomplish that. And I appreciate that. Uh, then, uh, the message we have had on Wednesday night was a, a tremendous message. I hope that I don't sneeze today. For some reason, I have a little sniffles that's making me want to sneeze. Well, when I sneeze, you can say, bless you. And then you can Google the word, bless you, and see where it has its origin from. I check everything out. Uh, that comes all the way. You know how many things we do come from pagan backgrounds? And the subtlety of the devil uh, is to try to get us, children of God, to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus when we come into the church and to serve him and to drink his cup when we leave the church. And that is why these messages are very important, very important. Now, if you listen to my message and and you don't think what I'm saying is right, that's all right. You're entitled to your own opinion. Uh, my concept for that is that blind men don't see, and I might be blind to what you're saying, and you might be blind to what I'm saying. But I believe God has called me, and I look back at the years that I was in the ministry, and when I went full-time into the ministry, some preachers today were in pampers, spiritually speaking and literally speaking. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm in the ministry a long time that makes me uh, no more than anyone else, but I do know a lot in the sense that I listen to what the Spirit wants more than what theology teaches out there in the institutional world. I like to follow what the Lord says. And when in my early days I could remember there were churches that were broken up a little groups that were broken up because the pastor did something terrible or something like that. I had to take those, salvage the churches, the little groups, bring them up back. And I remember in those days we had churches. I remember there was a place called Rose Hall. And when I started that assembly, I would have uh, meeting services. I would try to have services in an old school hall. And many a times we would go, get, we have a gas lamp that we would light up because there was no electricity, and we'll wait and nobody comes out. Some days, absolutely no one shows up. But we stayed, and we stayed. 
And I'm looking back at a young man about 19, 20 years old in those days. And when we couldn't start anything in that little village, uh, we had a few faithful saints, but we could not really get everyone to, uh, to attend the services. And you wonder uh, why in Rose Hall we had Christians there, but no one came to many of the services. We had to light the lamp, shut it down, and the kids next door would laugh at us. And now I'm looking back and wondered why the saints that were in that location never showed up, just a few of us that were there. But, you know, one day I decided, I said, you know what, let's fast and pray and challenge the city. And so we did. Uh, we fasted, we prayed, we made placards, repent our judgment, you know. And we started uh, in the afternoon one day, and we marched and stopped at every major intersection in that little, little village. Uh, and we preached at every intersection. I was so bold, I went in front of the, uh, in front of the red light district, you call it here in North America, we, it's a prostitute house where prostitutes are there and they're there all the time. I parked my, my microphone in front of the place, turned the speakers inside and preached. Uh, that night we preached, uh, we preached maybe about 15 different locations, little short open air services. We finally ended up in front of the, the, in, in the, main, the main area of that little uh, village. It was in front of the cinema, a bright little spot. People gathered around, and man, I preached. And we were preaching uh, so much that uh, my brother, who was uh, in that, uh, visiting the cinema, he was in the cinema watching a movie during that time. He remember uh, that uh, something was happening, and everybody in the movie house ran out. They thought it was a riot. And my brother told me, he says, when I ran out, I saw my brother preaching, and all my friends are saying, it's your brother, man, he's preaching. He says, I ran back in. I'm telling you this to let you know, I'm not yesterday a preacher that called myself into the ministry. Amen. I believe God has called me, and uh, if the Lord has called me and placed a message in my mind, when you want to listen to my messages, don't just put it in your pocket and walk around. Take time. If you want to get the benefits of what I preach, take time, open your Bible, sit down, and let God speak to your heart. If you don't feel you should do that, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. And so when God sends out individuals to preach, they have a message. And so when I'm thinking of this past Wednesday night, uh, Brother Joe was telling us the title. We titled that message, Flee from Idolatry. It's uh, taken from... The scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul writes, and if you take your time to read 1 Corinthians 10, you will find that idolatry today and the worship of the beast today is very subtle. Uh, you might be involved and you might say, I'm not in idolatry, but if you hold anything in preeminence to what God demands in your life, you're involved in idolatry. If you lift a little item or a little something you lift up in your life uh, more than God is or what God demands, it is idolatry. A man sent from God, a man of God, 
a man sent from God is not always a godly man. And these are things that you must understand. Uh, there was a man one time sent from God, and he did not obey God in all the things God said, and the lion ate him up. See, the responsibility I have is to preach the word of God as I see it fit and as I feel the Lord would have me preach it. And we have a beautiful Bible, but there is enough in this Bible laid in my heart that gives me the basic foundation to preach the gospel. I, if all the Bibles were taken out away from me today, I would not have a problem preaching the gospel. I would not, I'm not very big into theology, uh, even though that's a study of, you know, the scriptures. I am interested in preaching present truths and letting you understand the evils of today. You might be involved, and that is why I use 1 Corinthians 10. You might be involved in some element in your life that has become an idol. It might be your job. It might be a face. It might be something you celebrate that everybody out there is celebrating. It might be the sports, like Brother Joe said, or fashion that you might be involved in. Idolatry is subtle. And uh, that is why many will come to the Lord in that day and says, Lord, Lord, we prophesied, we preach in your name. Uh, we did everything. We cast out even devils in your name. And Jesus would say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, I would like to think that what Jesus meant, I never, was that you never had an experience of conversion where I became real in your life. You did not have a relationship with me. And so we might, I might be a preacher occupying the pulpit and need to be saved. Uh, Peter followed the Lord for about three years, and then Jesus turned to him and said to him, he says, when you are converted, strengthen the others. And so these lessons that are given to us, it's not to make us happy or to give us goosebumps. It is to cleanse us and make us change from what we are doing right now that contaminates the work of God. My job is to preach a message to decontaminate us, to detoxify us, to cleanse us. Uh, you can go out and the devil's responsibility and apostate Christianity is designed to contaminate that which God cleanses. And so while God is working to cleanse the church, the devil is working to bring all kinds of stuff and celebrations and, uh, uh, and idolatry into the lives of the people to contaminate you. Here's the question. Are you being cleansed or are you being contaminated on a daily basis? I expect when I came into the body of Christ, and I say the body of Christ, and while I say that, listen to me carefully. You know, uh, the Paul, Paul, Peter, James, John, Jesus, a lot of people preached in the, Old Test in the New Testament. You know, they scarcely said the body of Christ. The body of Christ is, um, I need a word, uh, not an amulet. It's not an amulet. It's not a statement we use that make us feel we are godly. You can say that until you got laryngitis. Does Christ see us as his body? Amen. 
When you're incompetent and you're insecure, you need to say it a lot. I'm in the body, I'm in the body. And use that as a justifying reason to accommodate hypocrisy in your life. Don't ever capitalize on the term the body of Christ for your own personal pleasure and for your own personal credibility. Saying the body of Christ and being in the body of Christ is two different things. The body of Christ in, in Jerusalem went under. The body of Christ in Rome went under. The body of Christ in Corinth went under. The body of Christ in Ephesus went under. Every church that God started and was a part of his body went under. The possibility of apostasy is with every one of us. And whether you're a preacher that can quote the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it makes no difference. The Pharisees did that, and they studied the scriptures daily, and they were spiritually blind. They studied the scriptures daily, but Jesus said they did not have the word of God dwelling in them. And you can be educated in the scriptures and blind as a bat, spiritually speaking. I pray every day that God would continuously open my eyes and continuously eliminate from my life every custom that the world celebrates and sanctify me from the spirit of this society we're living in. And that is why here, uh, when we finished uh, 1 Corinthians, we went into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul is writing here, and I want to bring your attention to that today. I don't know where we're going, but we will go somewhere. I always have some scriptures written down, but uh, that's okay. We are here asking God that we might be able to cleanse ourselves. And here in 1st, 2Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is writing, and he is encouraging this church to the best of his ability. This church in Corinth was already backslidden with maybe just a handful of individuals that are there uh, wanting to serve God. But the majority were already gone. Hold your finger in 2 Corinthians 6 and turn with me into Revelation, the book of Revelation. And when John is receiving these letters to the seven churches of Revelation, in chapter 2, uh, John is uh, the Lord is say, the Lord's uh, saying to John, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. And so John has to write to each one of these assemblies, dealing with the spiritual uh, need and lack in these churches and the need for spiritual improvement. Uh, he was dealing with seven churches, five of which were rebuked for their inconsistent dedication to God. Uh, they had problems inside, all kinds of problems. But you can say and kid yourself that we today are free from problems. I tell you what, when I'm looking at some of these churches, for example, the church, the second church he writes to, the first one was Ephesus. The second one in verse 8 was Smyrna. The third one was Pergamos uh, in verse 12. The fourth one in verse 18 was Tyatira. Uh, the fifth one in chapter 3, verse 1, was Sardis. The sixth in chapter 3, verse 7, was Philadelphia. And the seventh in chapter 3, verse 12, uh, was, uh, verse 14, was Laodicea. There were seven churches. 
But when he addresses here, chapter 2, verse 8, the church at Smyrna, Smyrna uh, the angel unto the, unto the angel of the church at Smyrna. The word angel is translated messenger, if I can understand that. And I believe that's what it was talking about. The angel of the church at Ephesus, uh, at Smyrna, right. These things at the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. That's Jesus. I know your works. He says, I know your works. And not only your works, this church has gone through tribulation and poverty. It was not a wealthy church. You see, somewhere down the line, someone has passed on to us the concept that we need to be the head of the city and not the tail. Well, you know, uh, Paul had uh, written a letter, and let me see where that is. It's in, uh, I got your finger in Revelation. I got your finger in Second Corinthians, and I'm going back to Second Corinthians, uh, maybe just a, a page over. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, uh, Paul is saying, therefore, seeing, seeing, we have this ministry, ministry uh, that makes that uh, approved of God, seeing we have this ministry, one that's not manufactured by man or manufactured by an organization. He says, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we cannot faint. I do not know how to faint in these days. Personally, I might faint on these little issues. I might be disappointed on little issues, but I have problems every day of my life. Every day of my life. I made a statement that I love last week, that I've got some problems that are sticking to me like crazy glue. It's not going to stick forever. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, a messenger of the devil to buffet him. And Paul says, I prayed three times. Now, he was an apostle. He met Jesus personally. His conversion, Jesus was the, the converter. Man had experiences, caught up to a third heaven. Uh, the Lord told him about it, the Last Supper. He says, I received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. I can't say that. I'm hoping when I'm finished, I'd say, may the Lord touch my mind. But here was Paul uh, writing. He says, Sing, therefore we have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. But have, but have. And I wish every one of us in the ministry and every child of God in the church, every elder can pick this up. He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. For me to sit here and, and, and pretend I'm preaching the word of God, but because the scripture does not seem to support what I'm saying, I manipulate the scriptures to justify a misconception that I've cherished that was probably passed on to me by my ancestors. I'm handling the word of God deceitfully. That's right. If you sit down and listen to me and you feel I've mishandled the word of God, write me. Send me a message on Messenger and tell me. I'll explain myself if I feel it's necessary. If your question brings a manifestation that you are not that which is holy, I wouldn't cast my pearls to you. I'm one of those obnoxious guys. Tomorrow, I might tell you about some obnoxious men uh, in the Bible. But
But Paul would not accommodate that. Paul says we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness and handling the word of God deceitfully. You know, one of the things I like Brother Goodwin for, my past, my pastor who was my pastor when I came on in to this fellowship, was I saw him stand in the pulpit and he says, he says, you know, I've received things from the past. And here is what I was taught, but I think that was not absolutely correct, so I'll change it. And what he was teaching was contrary to what his pastor taught him in the past. I respect him. And the same would go for men that can come after me. If you find that my interpretation of Scripture uh, justifies ungodliness and justifies an immoral life, you need to let the people that you preach to understand that that's not correct. But to this day, I do not compromise with evil and immorality. I believe the word of God I preach is designed to cleanse our minds and our spirits. And Paul says, I'm not handling the word of God deceitfully. It disgusts me, and listen to me, when I go and listen to some of you brothers on, online, and here you manipulate the scriptures, and instead of a shepherd, you become a butcher. And... I would not want to challenge you. You know, Jeremiah had that problem in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was saying that God will judge Israel for 70 years. But people had a sweeter message. Hananiah and Shemiah had a beautiful, encouraging message that everybody liked. They didn't like Jeremiah. They didn't like Isaiah. They didn't like the prophets that God sent. But when everybody loves you, you got to watch what message you preach. And if you're not called, you'll preach anything that apostate Christianity puts in your head or somebody else puts in your head. Listen, preachers, if you're listening to this message anytime, you need to get on your knees and ask God to guide you. That you would not lead the innocent sheep to hell. Do not handle the word of God deceitfully. I'm done with that. I'm moving on here now. Uh, but uh, here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, Paul says, We then as workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Can you receive the grace of God in vain? Yes. Not because God is good and he doesn't kill you instantly that you keep on preaching contrary to what he wants you to preach. Don't promote something that the harlot system of this world has started and supports and you claim to be the body of Christ. Stop saying the body of Christ if you're full of the beast. I told you I was done with that. Well, Paul is talking to workers here in Corinth. He says, he says, uh, he goes on here, he says, uh, he says, but in all things approving ourselves, verse 4, in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. He says, you've got to prove yourself as the ministers of God in wealth and health and prosperity. No! Back there, to be a minister approved of God, it was accompanied by sufferings and dying and the cross. Not flamboyance and 
and showing off to people that you're some elegant guy. Paul says, how am I proving myself? He says, in patience. What works patience? Tribulation does. He says, in afflictions, in necessities, I've got needs in my life. I'm so accustomed saying that if I had the money, well, if I had the money, I will buy that property next door and build me a six-level condominium, uh, con, uh, apartment building that some of the saints can move into, extend the parking lot, fix the parking lot on the church, but I don't have the money. I got to catch a fish with a coin in its mouth like Jesus did. That Paul had the resources? No. That Peter had the resources? No. Did John have the resources? No. So whoever told you that you need to be the head of the city, <clears throat> need their head sort of examined. Because the Bible doesn't teach that. And Paul is telling you what an apostle is like. He says in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, my friend, in imprisonments. Brother Joe made a statement this morning I want to clarify. He said he was a predator. Now, don't ever think, don't jump to a conclusion that he was a predator on children or women or something like that. He had a different element that he was a predator for that um, you want to know? If you do, you're nosy. Talk to him. He's not afraid to tell you, but you can talk to him, but it's not one of these predators. He just used the word. You see, I like when he beat himself up like that and then leave you to think, but he was not a predator on women. He was not a predator on old ladies. He was not a predator on children. So the word predator, you know, gives people things, Brother Joe. And so I know what you did. I know what you, what you were involved in, and uh, I'm glad that you're here today. He's a predator today on the word of God and truths. You got something, he gets goosebumps when he hears something new out of the scripture. He, he is a predator of the word of God today. And so Paul went on, he says, in stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors, in watchings and fastings. And then he comes to the other side. He said, by pureness, by knowledge, not academic knowledge necessarily, but knowledge of what God wants. Long-suffering by kindness and by the Holy Ghost and by love that is not a fake love. I love you today and don't love you. I see that all the time. Somebody love you. And you know, people love to be buttered up. People love for you to tell them I love you. Listen, I would prefer you pray for me than you turn and tell me you love me. I love you, Bernie Singh. I love you, love you, love you. Listen, I love to hear somebody loves me. I love that. I love you, and you love me. But I'm telling you, when a whole congregation is butting you up at an anniversary, and when your real anniversary comes and no one is around to tell you anything, to even wish you a happy anniversary, you know that all we did for 40 years was a waste of time. People love praises publicly. Amen? But I love to have sincere hearts on a one-to-one -one basis. When someone tells me they love me, when someone writes me a note and tells me they love me, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Don't you, Chandri? I appreciate that when a public statement is made in front of everybody. No. Pray for me if you love me. Love me in spite of who I am. 
And Paul went on here. I'm looking, I got five minutes. And he goes on, he says, as unknown. He says, verse 8, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Some people say it's evil, but people still love you. He says, as deceivers, but that's only to the non-elect. I'm a, a, a leader and giving life to those that are elect. As deceivers, he says, yet and yet true. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As chastened and not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. As having nothing yet possessing all things in the sight of God. That's what Paul is talking about. That's what makes a minister a minister. Not your bank account my friend. Not the house you live in. It's the heart that God has tried. The continuous cleansing process is what we're talking about here. And so when we're thinking about, I don't know why the service is going to ministers today, but if it is, then may God help you. Maybe it's just our elders. Maybe it's just the saints that need to hear this message. Maybe it's just me when I go back and listen to it. The Lord is going to talk to me and tell me I need to shape up. I cannot contaminate myself on a daily basis and expect when I come to church, God decontaminate me. I cannot drink the cup of the devil out here that everybody is drinking and then come and have communion, which would be next month, right? I have communion and say, well, I took the cup of the Lord. No, it's the cup of the Lord on a daily basis or the cup of the devil on a daily basis. May God help us here today. And Paul went on. And so then we came, after we finished all of this, uh, Paul went on here. He said in verse 14, Be not unequally yoked. Verse 15, What concord has Christ with, well, with the devil? Verse 16, What agreement had the temple of God with idols? We dealt with this on Wednesday night. Listen to the Wednesday night message. Don't ignore it. Verse 17, He says, Wherefore, come out. From among them, mentally and spiritually, we need that sanctification. He says, and, and said the Lord, and touch not, don't touch the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be your father, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. See, the job is a cleansing, not a contamination. Not contaminating ourselves, my friends. It's cleansing ourselves. It's a decontamination. It's a detoxify, uh, detoxifying influence. It's a soberizing influence. We come on in with sips that we have taken of the wine of our fornication, but the church is meant to cleanse us from that contamination. Paul says, wherefore, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. How much? From all filthiness. It includes pagan customs, pagan celebrations. It includes your own carnal nature. It includes apostate religion, apostate methodology, things that Babylon teaches out there, and they accommodate and they do. We need to cleanse ourselves. Now, I am patient as a pastor, and I don't take care how long it took you to take you to cleanse yourself. Paul took about 35 years. 
There was a time when he says, I've not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. It is not pressing today and going back tomorrow. It's a daily, continuous cleansing process. That's what Jesus meant when he said, Father, sanctify them. See, the body of Christ must have messages that continuously sanctify us from filthiness than rather accommodating ungodly practices and customs in our midst. That's why... We need a prayer that God give us men, raise up men as we enter into the last days that are called of God, not called by the organization, not called by circumstances, not called by mama or grandpa, but called by God. And he goes on here, he says in verse, same verse, he says, from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Everybody say that. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I'd like to turn your attention to one last scripture. How can I leave this? In Hebrews, the uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I know I'm running a little bit over time, but it says there in Hebrews chapter 12, Paul is telling us, he says, wherefore, seeing we also have are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and that is referring to all these champions in chapter 11. He says, let us lay aside. Everybody, say that to yourself. Let me, I need to lay aside. All the weight. It's not necessarily sin, but weight. Unnecessary practices and customs. Lay aside every weight and also the sin which doth so easily beset you. And let us run with patience the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus as the example. And then he goes down here from chapter, in chapter verse 5, he talks about chastening, which is designed to cleanse us. When you're going through a cleansing process, it's not easy, my friend. But the Lord wants his bride cleansed. He wants those that are to enter into the kingdom cleansed. Because ungodliness will not enter in there. Don't let the church become a contaminating process. Let it become a decontaminating influence. Let the church be that place where as Christ loved him, the church, and give himself for the church, even so he can do the same for us. And here Paul is going on here in verse, verse 11 and verse 12. He talks about a chastisement. He said in verse he says, verse 13, make straight path for your feet, lest they which is lame, that which is lame, be turned away. You know what we need to understand? We need to make straight path for our feet. I cannot afford to set a bad example to those around me that they follow a corrupted lifestyle and go in the wrong direction. I need to set straight paths for my feet that those that are lame are not turned out of the way. Why am I doing this? He says, follow peace with all men. And holiness, holiness without which. We're perfecting holiness, but he says, holiness without which. No man shall see the Lord. 
In this process, we're looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God and the root of bitterness that's in you come up. You see, I don't know. There might be things in my life that I don't know exist. And when God takes me through an experience, it's to bring that to the light and have God cleanse me. Let us pray that God continuously cleanse us from evil, from this world, from idolatry, from sin, from our own personal problems, from our own ego and pride and whatever else brings a contaminating influence. May the word of God cleanse us. Let us pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the church that you have given to us, not meant for it to become a social club or a place of mere entertainment, religious entertainment or otherwise, but a place where we can hear a cleansing word of God preached, that we can examine ourselves and make the adjustments and changes, Father, as you, on a one-to-one -one basis, cleanse us. Help us to stay cleansed and not to be contaminated. We ask, dear Father, that you will continue to show your grace upon us. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask, and for his glory, amen and amen.